Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. We were, we were doing that part where we had to read the um, Christmas story for the New Year's, or I'm sorry, um, Christmas Eve service. And so we had the part where we all sat there and we read the Christmas story. And they gave me the first verse, you know, where we had to, because somebody, somebody had to pronounce the word Curanius. Right? Thank you. Everybody's wondering what that is. We'll take care of that later. Um, so, so you got to say, so we look it up. Say, well, how do you actually say it? It's Curanius, right? All right. So the word of the day was Curanius. And so we're sitting in staff meeting, Curanius. Curanius, that's right. And then we get to the time where it was time to start recording. And I'm out there sitting there reading, and Kathy's got the camera going, and I start, and every time I got close to it, I just start busting out laughing. <laughs> like, I could not get past it without laughing. I mean, it must have taken five or six or seven times, because I would go, in the year, the, and start busting up laughing. Anybody ever had that happen? Yeah? Okay. Just me. All right. Listen, it's that, I call this the Law Sunday. I mean, this is the law in between. You got Christmas, and everybody got ready for Christmas, and all the festivities, and everything, and Christmas came. And then Sunday's here, and everybody's like, okay, we're going to church, but man, we're tired. Amen? It's okay. It's okay. You're here. My family ain't. <laughs> I walk, I'm like, I walked over to my side of the house, and there they're all laying on the couch. I'm like, yo, what's up, buddy? Bye. <laughs> you know? They said they're going to watch live stream. Everybody text my daughter and see if she's watching live stream right now. Everybody who has her number, I'm dead serious. I want you to text her, and I want you to ask her if she's legitimately watching live stream. And I want the answer, because I want to know, because I will ground her. <laughs> oh, man. I want to talk to you today a little bit. You know, how many, know, how many of you ever go through changes, transitions. It's kind of, we go from 19 to 20. And I thought about um, a gentleman in the Bible who had an occasion that happened in his life that would, first of all, forever change his life. But second of all, it certainly changed his next year of events. And uh, the story, it's King David. And, um, you know, it's always amazing to me to think about King David. He's kind of minded his own business out in the field, taking care of sheep. Daddy summons him to the house, and some dude dumps oil over him and anoints him the next king of Israel. How many of that'll just change your life? That'll just change your next year dramatically. And um, so let's take a look at this. We'll begin this morning taking a look at um, 1 Samuel chapter 16. Now, let me set it up for you. Originally, God had ordained, or, um, made Saul, anointed Saul king. Saul, through his disobedience, Saul, through his rebellion, Saul came to a place where he grieved God's heart, and God was grieved that he had made him king, so he took the kingship from him. Samuel is mourning that. He is mourning the loss. Let me say something to you. The sign of a healthy spiritual leader is when they mourn the failure of others, not celebrate them. I have seen people almost celebrate sometimes other people's failures. Man, that tells you you're messed up. If you're celebrating somebody's failure, you need therapy, okay? <laughs> and so the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem 
for I've chosen one of his sons to be king. Now, I mean, you know, God operates weird sometimes. Like, don't, do they, like so he's going to go there, and we're going to see it in a minute, and seven sons walk past him. Why, why didn't God just say, hey, go to Jesse's house and anoint David? Have you ever wondered these things, or just, is it just me? Like, go, go to, like, why didn't he just say, go to David's house, and, or go to Jesse's house and anoint David? No, he doesn't tell him that. Go there, I'm going to anoint one of them. Because I think there's a lesson in the process for us to learn, and there was a lesson in the process for Samuel to learn. And so he goes there, and when he goes there, it says, when he arrived, Samuel first of all saw Eliab. And he thought, ah, tall, dark, and handsome. This gotta be God's man, right? Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before me. And what we know the Lord does, says what? But the Lord said to Samuel, don't you consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. I mean, no, Saul was a head taller than everybody else, the Bible says, right? He, was a, he looked like a king. He looked like a warrior, all right? He said, don't consider his height or his appearance, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart, all right? So we have this being set up. So then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. And then Jesse had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. How many of you would be getting frustrated by now? Like, all right, Lord, okay. And then he had seven sons pass by Horus Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. Seven times, seven times, no, no. No, no. And so finally, do you got any more sons? I know God told me to come here, and I know he told me to come here and choose one of your sons. Do you have any more? He said, yeah, there's one more. He's out with the sheep. So they sent for him, had him brought in, and he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. <laughs> right? Then the Lord said, Rise, you know, I, think, I laugh about that. It could describe me. He was dim in health and had an older appearance and some long gone features. <laughs> All right, I'm in a rare form again today. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one, right? Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. He says, rise and anoint him. This is the one. Why, why did God choose this son? Why did God choose this one? He wasn't obviously the biggest. He wasn't the tallest. He wasn't maybe the, the bravest at this point. Why did God choose this one? Why not the other seven? I mean, the first one, he was absolutely incredible looking and he, he looked like a king. And, but God said, no. And so God says, I, I, this is the one that I want. You see, God was on a mission. God was on a mission. He was looking for something. And the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that after removing Saul, God made David their king because God testified. Uh-oh. How many know when God's testifying about you, that's a pretty good thing? And God testified and said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my heart. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, and he will do everything I want him to to do. Hmm. How many know when somebody captures your heart, you'll do what they, you will most likely do what they want you to do? 
Again, why was I in those stupid pajamas? Because two little ones have captured my heart. Why have I slept on a couch three nights this week in the basement? Because little ones have captured my heart. Okay? When, something, when someone captures your heart, this is what happened. David, God's watching. God sees. God sees this man who has a heart. He says, now, that one, that one, he's willing to do everything I want him to do. He won't, he won't say no. And so now, okay, so let's look at this. Let me take you to another passage of Scripture. Psalm 109, I'm sorry, Psalm 89. Psalm 89 says this, once you spoke in a vision to your faithful people, you said, I have bestowed strength on a warrior, referring to David. I have raised up a young man from among the people, David. I have found David my servant, and with my sacred oil, I have anointed him. Do you see this? Here's the picture. I want you to almost get this picture that God was searching. God had taken Saul from the throne. And God is now searching. And he's searching. And he's looking for someone. And he's looking for a man. And he's looking for a man. But there's a qualifying uh, condition that that man must have. And that qualifying condition isn't his ability to fight. Isn't his ability to wield a sword. It isn't his ability to lead. It is his, uh, it is his heart. I need to find a man that has a heart after me. And when I find that heart... Then I'm going to take my sacred oil and I'm going to anoint him. All right, so look at this. So here we go. So David had a heart to do all that God wanted him to do. And the anointing then was the empowerment of God to do it. I love this. I love this. So David has a heart. God sees his heart. God sees a heart that will do all that he wants him to do. Now he comes in behind it and says, now, because you have a heart after me, because you have a heart that will do anything I ask you to do, I'm now going to appoint an anointing upon your life to empower you to do it. Now, how many know you cannot do it without the anointing of God? How many know you cannot do it without the power of God? You see, and this is what he says, now I'm going to anoint him. Right? And if you read Psalm 89, it's amazing what God promises him. Let me read you some of this this morning. Psalm 89 says stuff like this. I have found David with my sacred oil of anointed him. Watch this. My hand will sustain him. My arm will strengthen him. The enemy will not get the better of him. The wicked will not oppress him. I will crush his foes before him. I will strike down his adversaries. My faithful love will be with him. And um, through my name, his horn will be exalted. I will set his hand over the sea, the right hand over the rivers. He will call out to me, you're my father, the God, my God, the rock, my savior. Listen to me this morning. When God saw this heart, he said, I'm going to anoint it. I'm going to sustain him. I'm going to strengthen him. Listen to me this morning. What we need most of all is the heart after God. Because when God sees your heart, he will come in and give you everything you need. I mean, we often go to him for everything we need, but we don't go with him with our whole heart. He says, I'll, I'll give him my heart. And so, so Samuel, so watch this. Here's what it said. So David had a heart to do all that God wanted him to do, and the anointing was the empowerment of God to do it. Now, watch this. So, back to 16. So Samuel took the horn of oil, and he anointed him in the presence of his brothers. How many know that'll tick the brothers off? Hmm? You know, I like to remind my sisters that I am the favorite. They always say it. It's not really true, but I like to remind them of that. And then I tell them, I'm the favorite comes the nicest. How <laughs> I many know when you, when you, 
The moment God anointed him in the midst of his brothers, how many know that was probably not going to go well with the brothers? How many know when God chose to put his favor on Joseph, that did not go well with the brothers, right? But from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David, and Samuel went to Ramah. Now, let me stop here for a moment. The Bible says he anointed him, poured the, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Let me say this to you. The anointing was not a mystical force. And let me say to you today, the anointing, when we throw the buzzwords around our Christianity, when we throw them around in our Pentecostal circles, when we throw them around in our charismatic circles, let me say this to you this morning. The anointing is not a mystical force. Okay, it's just, it's just not. The anointing is not an impersonal force that animates a person. All right, let's, let's, let's understand. It's not the mist comes in and not the fog comes in. That's generally the fog machines on the stage. I mean, and I don't have a problem with any of that, just so in case, in case you're thinking I'm mocking all that, I'm not. I don't care. Put lights in, put fog on the machines. I don't care. It's fun. But don't mistake it for the anointing of God. The anointing was and is the Holy Spirit of God. You are anointed with the Spirit of God. Understand who, what the anointing is. The anointing is not a thing. It is not a force. It is not a, a, a mystical thing. It is a person. And his person is, this person's name is Holy Spirit. See, he anointed him with oil. Oil was a symbol of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And the Bible says that from that moment, the Spirit of God came on David. The greatest anointing in your life is him, the Spirit of God. Now, so what happens? All right, let me give you a couple of references to that. How many know Jesus was anointed? How was he anointed? The, okay, he said in Luke chapter 4, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Jesus says, I am anointed, but I'm anointed by the Spirit of the Lord. Again, Acts 10. Peter says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. How many know the anointing is God's presence in your life? The anointing is God's Holy Spirit in your life. You, you see, we've got to, to remind ourselves that the anointing is not controlling someone or something. It's him controlling us. Amen? Responding to him. Hearing him. Moving with him. And I just want you to know, I know some of you think I'm crazy, but I think it is so stinking hot in here today. <laughs> You're lucky I don't turn the air conditioning on. I have the power on my phone. I just want you to know it. <laughs> and so there's anointing. The Holy Spirit comes upon this kid, this, this young man who had a heart after God. And God says, I'm going to put my anointing on him. I'm going to put my spirit on him because he has a heart to do all that I want him to do. All right, so now, let's begin to look at what happened in his life. And so the next thing you know, you see him going into the battle on chapter 17. He takes out bread and cheese to his brothers who are fighting the battle against the Philistines, chapter 17. And what happens? He gets there. Here he comes. Big bad Goliath. Right? Big bad Goliath. He's taunting the armies of Israel. Twice a day for 40 days. Send someone out to fight me. Twice a day, 40 days. Talking trash. Defying God. Mocking God. And every time they heard it, the Bible says that the Israel ran in fear. Intimidated by his presence. Intimidated by his words. They would run in fear. 
And then all of a sudden, here comes this kid, anointed by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God upon him. You see, it's under that anointing that his heart would burn over the triumph of evil. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you burn when you see evil? Do you burn when you see wickedness? Does your heart burn within you? That's a sure sign of the anointing. Because let me tell you something, because who is it that's responding in that moment? It's the Holy Spirit prompting you. Have you ever seen things that made you angry? How many know we all can get angry? How many have used your right anger in an unrighteous manner? How many have you used it in a righteous manner? I've done both. I've, I've, done it, I've done both. I have used my anger many times in an unrighteous way. But I have also used it in a righteous way. David shows up at this field. He hears this. He hears this taunting. He sees this giant. He sees what, and, and he asks the question, who's letting this happen? Who's allowing this to take place? And what happens? He's, 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 he's got this anointing. You see, because it's under the anointing of God that his eyes would see the, his eyes would see the enemies of God through the eyes of the Spirit. How many know we need to see through the eyes of the Holy Spirit? How many believe he can open your eyes to show you things you can't see in your physical realm, in the natural realm? How many believe he can open your eyes to the spirit realm? How many believe we need to see through the eyes of the Spirit of God? The anointing allows you to see things differently. There was how many thousands of men watching this same giant, and yet not one of them dared to see him as a defeated giant. But through the eyes of the Spirit, I'm going to cut the I'm going to cut the dog's head off. Right? What would change in your life if you began to view some things that oppose you through the eyes of the Spirit, not the eyes of your flesh? What would change? What would change? Anything? I would suggest something would change. I hope something would change. Is there anybody here that would complete me with me and say there's some things I need to see through the eyes of the Spirit? It was under this anointing of God, the Holy Spirit, that his ears would hear the enemy through the ears of the Spirit of God. How many have ever heard this? How many have ever, ever, ever heard the enemy speak to you? Now, I'm going to say it's just like God. I've never heard an audible voice, but I know it was him. And I know his taunts. And I know what it was to go through a season of life where we had difficulties we were dealing with. And you hear, go ahead, do that. I'm going to take this. Go ahead, do that. I'm going to give your wife cancer. Go ahead, do this. I'm going to do this. Go ahead, do this. Anybody ever hear him? Hmm? Anybody ever, <coughs> anybody ever have him? I'm not, I, I don't have these, but some have panic attacks, anxiety attacks. Some of those, I believe, not all of them, but I believe some of those are the enemy. <coughs> and yet we need to begin to hear him through a different prism. And we begin to hear through the Spirit of God. And I, I, how do I hear through the Spirit of God? Can I suggest to you this morning that when you get, pick up the Word of God and you put the Word of God in your heart, that you'll hear through the Spirit of God? Then it becomes a filter by which the Spirit of God says, no, 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 no. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. You don't know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. How many know all of a sudden you begin to process things differently because you're hearing with a different ear? This is David. David shows up. He heard something different. And it was under the, the anointing of God, he would have the audacity to disrupt the status quo of what was going on. <laughs> 40 days, 80 times, twice a day, giant run, giant run, giant talks, run, giant tempts, uh, comes out and taunts us, run again. 80 times, 80. So David shows up because nobody else would face him. David's like, oh, excuse me, I got this. I got this. I'll do what you guys should have been doing. I'll do what you should have been doing. I'll do what you're afraid to do. I'll do what you're too scared to do. I see him differently. I hear him differently. He's defying the armies of my God. He's defying my God. But what happens? Come on, think about this for just a moment. And all the, the moment that that happens, all of a sudden, you got this young man who shows up he sees this giant in a totally different way. He sees him in a totally different manner. Hears him in a different manner. And all of a sudden, he says, I'm going to fight him. And what happens? The status quo begins to get disrupted. How many know when you mess with the status quo in people's lives, the brothers in your life will rise up in anger against you? They started to mock him. They started to ridicule him. They didn't really, they weren't real pleased. You see, the moment that you're willing to do what others should be doing, you'll be ridiculed. The moment that you're willing to disrupt status quo, you, will, you should expect the mocking of the brothers. Right? I mean, think about when he said, Eliab looked at him and said, why have you come down here? Wait, like, you were just with those few sheep. You're a nobody. You're a nothing. You're just a shepherd. We're the warriors. And begin to mock him. How I many know it was in their mocking that they avoided their own shortcomings? It was in their mocking that they were avoiding their own shortcomings. Because if I can mock you, it can hide and mask my shortcoming. Oftentimes, when people are mocking you, understand what they're doing they're covering their own shortcomings. When you disrupt the status quo, you can expect to have your motives questioned. Huh? They, oh, man, they were all over him. They were all over him. Why have you come down here? He asked him. They wanted David to explain his motives for being in the battlefield. He was there because his father had sent him for food for them. <laughs> He's bringing food for them. Why are you here? You see... There's times in your life where you're going to hear and see by the Spirit of God who's anointed you. And when you begin by the move, to move by the anointing of the Spirit of God that's in you, all of a sudden you're going to see and hear things differently than those around you. And they're going to be uncomfortable with you. And they're going to mock, ridicule, and try to silence you because it brings up their own shortcomings. And I would suggest to you, ignore them. Do one of these. Because you need to hear from the Spirit of God. I got this. I got this. Oh, look at this. Christmas gift. Wow. 
can't hear you. <laughs> Tony and Eric got me a new set of wireless Bose acoustic noise-canceling headphones. <sighs> if I go to the basement of the house and I put these on, I'm in Jimmy World. I don't hear anybody. Like, I don't hear the dogs, the kids, Penny, Tony. Penny bought me my first set many, many years ago. They were the wire, the kind of the wired. And I knew all the men in the place were jealous because my wife bought me something I could put on and not hear her. And I take these and I, and I put them on. And I'm in my world with only my thoughts, and I have now eliminated the distractions. How many of you think maybe sometimes we can eliminate the distractions so that we can then hear the Spirit of God better? Because how many of you, I would suggest that sometimes the reason we're not moving according to the anointing is because we're not hearing him because we've got too many distractions in our life. Carson put them on. She loves them. She's, Bobby, Bobby, let me put your, put your, and I'm like, okay, I really love you. Okay, for a minute. And she puts them on. And she puts them on again. I said, what? You got headphones on. <laughs> you see, I think sometimes we need to stick the headphones on so we hear the Holy Spirit. So we move according to the Holy Spirit. Okay, let me put those back. And if these are missing at the end of the service, I will hunt you down. And it will not be... It will not be righteous anger. <laughs> you see, all of a sudden, they come there, and they say, oh, you're only, you're only trying to do this because the king said he would give you the daughter if you go out and defeat that, and your family wouldn't have to pay taxes anymore. And then, hello, are you guys stupid? Like, I mean, I, I'm just looking at them. Listen, listen, they're questioning him, saying you're only doing it because you want the wife, you want the girl, you want to be tax-free. And I'm gonna look at them and say, duh, are you, how many of you know that we should work for the king's reward? Oh, my gosh. L listen to me. Who doesn't want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? You hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and, enjoy your, come and share your master's happiness. You get that when you work for him, and he rewards you. He does reward us, and I want to work for his reward. Hello? My gosh, we get so spiritual sometimes. Oh, no, I, I, no, I want him to reward me. He's a good, good father. He promised me blessings. He promised me a reward. He promised me a crown. He promised me jewels. He promised to test my word. He promised it. Come on, man. He promised it. Well done. Come and share your master's happiness. Don't become so spiritual that you don't think he has a reward for you. You see, under the anointing, you will act from certainty in the power of God, right? What does David do? David goes out to battle. Here's a scripture. So David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hands of this Philistine. You, you see, he heard, he saw there was an anointing of God. And now what he does, he begins to act from the power of God. 
Because listen to me, the anointing is not operating according to flesh. It is operating according to the power of God. It is operating according to the word of God. It is operating according to the promises of God. It is operating from faith that God will do what he says he will do. You see, we got to understand something. The anointing takes us from our fleshly weakness to the power of God. Under the anointing, David would confront evil with the authority of God. Let me tell you something. I think there's people who abuse this a lot, but no, make no mistake about it. As believers with the Holy Spirit inside of you, you have authority. He says, he looks at him and says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me tell you something. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've taunted. I'm coming to you in his authority. I'm coming to you under his authority. I'm coming to you with his power. I'm coming to you not in my own strength. I'm coming to you not in my own authority. I'm coming to you in his authority. If you come to my house because somebody in my house did something wrong, like my son-in-law, <laughs> I pick on him. Let's say he broke the law and you're coming to my house and you're going to arrest him you better have the authority behind you to do it. Because if you don't have the authority behind you to do it, get lost. Right? David says, I'm coming to you. But I'm not coming to you in the name of David. And I'm certainly not coming to you in the name of Saul. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God, the armies of Israel. That's how I'm coming to you. You have authority in the name of Jesus Christ. You have authority by the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. You have authority. Under the anointing, his heart. Now I'm gonna take you along a little journey. Let's get past the battle for a moment. You see, the Holy Spirit anoints us not just to confront evil on the outside. How many know it confronts us on the inside? Right? How many of it suggests it's easier to face the outside sometimes? See, remember when, he, remember when he sinned by counting the people, the census, and God brought judgment? Watch his heart. Now David's heart troubled him after he had numbered the people. His heart was troubled by what he did. It's funny. Some of the times we have to understand something. The problem isn't always that we sin. How many know we shouldn't, but we're not troubled when we do? How many know that when you are troubled when you do, that's called conviction? How many know conviction comes from the Holy Spirit? Without a troubled heart, there is no conviction. Without the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life, there is no conviction. Your heart is troubled because he who lives inside of you. Right? Right? His heart troubled him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I've sinned. And I hit my phone. <laughs> so I've sinned. And, and, and what I've done. But now, Lord, please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have acted foolishly. You see, his sin and the Holy Spirit inside of him. Because how I many know without the Holy Spirit, there is no conviction, and he's not feeling bad at all. But now he's in a place where, man, my heart's burning over my sin. Under the anointing, his heart 
would burn to build something for God, not himself. Remember, he says, here I am. I'm living in my palace. I'm living in my palace, and God's in a tent. Right? Kind of like when we go camping. I have a house, and I'm in a tent. Actually, we're not in a tent. <laughs> not even close to it. And his heart burned. I've got to honor my God. I've got to build something for my God. I've got to do something for him. And with that, the Lord said to my father, David, this is Solomon speaking, because Solomon built it. Because it was in your heart to build a house for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Let me ask you a question. What's in your heart to build for God? What's in your, it's easy for us to find things to build for ourselves. But David had a heart to build something for God. That when people saw it, they were seeing something for the glory of God. God looked for a man after his own heart. He was looking. The Bible tells us, I found David. He was looking for a man after his own heart who would do all that he wanted to do. And when he found him, he anointed him with the Spirit to empower him to do all that he wanted to do through him. It's so cool when you look at it. God says, I got how many, how many believe God still has a plan for this world? How many believe he has a plan for your family, your city, anywhere else I could go? And he has things that he would do and things that he would desire to do. And now he's looking for something, guys. And ladies, he's looking for something. He's looking for a man. He's looking for a woman whose heart is after him. He's looking for a man or a woman who has a heart to do all that he wants to do. And I promise you this, that if he finds you, he finds that heart, I promise you he will do the same for David where that anointing in you by the Holy Spirit, he will sustain you, he will protect you, he will provide for you, he will do all those things so that you can accomplish all that he puts in your heart. I promise you that. See, God's looking for your heart, not your pedigree. Right? I go get this kid. Go get, the, go get that kid that's out in the shepherd's field. Go get that kid in the pasture. I, don't, I, know his, I, know his, I know his dad's a farmer. I know Jonathan has the pedigree. I know Jonathan is the firstborn son of Saul. I know that he's next in line to the throne. I, next, I know that legally he should be. I know he's lived in the palace. I know he's grown up in it. But I don't want him. I don't need pedigree. I need a heart. Right? God wasn't looking. He's looking for your heart, not your resume. You ever meet somebody, they want to give you, your, they want to give you their resume in like five minutes so you know how great they are? If you haven't, go to a pastor's meeting. <laughs> I'm telling you. Okay, here I go. I love pastors, so don't get me wrong. I love pastors, I love leadership, I love that whole thing. But there's nothing that drives me more crazy than to go to a pastor's meeting and everybody's telling them the one-up story. I'm just telling you, because the position lends itself to a whole bunch of narcissists. Boy, I'm brutal. Where all of a sudden it's like, he hears that one. Well, you know, let me tell you what I did. Let me tell you what I, oh, let, me tell you, let me tell you what I did. Well, yeah, but let me tell you what we did over here. And, oh, let me tell you what we did. Oh, for crying out loud, would you stop? You know, like, just, just stop. My dad's bigger than your dad. 
My dad's tougher than your dad. Just stop. Be humble. Be humble. Stop it. God's not interested in your resume. He's not interested in what you have to offer him. He's interested in your heart. And when you have a heart, let me say something to you. If you want a resume, give him your heart. He'll build your resume. I mean, David didn't have a resume before he became king. David didn't have a resume to become king. David had nothing. But I'm going to tell you something right now. If you go back and you want a resume for a king, get David's. God is not looking for your lineage. He wants your heart. God is looking for your heart, not your lineage, all right? Listen to me this morning, and I'm about done. Come on, Troy. A little faster, Troy. People are excited. What's the message this morning? The message is this. Here was a young man. You see, here we are. We are in this Sunday, if you will. That's a, call it the transition Sunday between 19 and 20. Between 2019 and 20. Let's pretend it was David's law Sunday. <laughs> David's here. That law Sunday, when all of a sudden, He's in that place of transition between what was and what will be. And his world was getting forever, ready for, to forever change. It would forever change from that moment. It would forever change, not because he became king. Yes, God made him king, but because the Holy Spirit came upon him. The Holy Spirit came upon him from that day. How many know you could have been king without the Spirit of God? Saul was. Read the Kings, book of Kings. There was plenty of kings that were, didn't have the Spirit of God. What made the greatest difference in his life, the greatest transition in his life, was when that oil was poured upon him and the Holy Spirit came upon him and the person of the Holy Spirit anointed him. And now he would hear and he would walk and he would see and he would talk and he would move by the Spirit of God. And his life would forever be changed. You go fast forward to the New Testament. You get 12 men. How many know their lives were forever changed when the Holy Spirit came upon them? Forever changed when the Holy Spirit anointed them. And they transitioned from what used to be to what would be. How I many know sometimes we never really transition from what was to what could be, but we continue to transition from the same old, same old, same old. How I many think maybe God wants you to transition to something a little different, maybe a little more, maybe a little more, even outside of your comfort zone by the Spirit of God? You ever get tired of seeing with the flesh? Hearing with the flesh? Being dominated and controlled by it? David says, huh. I'm, just, I'm just thinking what he must have thought sometimes in his life. Like, man, this is all cool. 
this is all good. But my world got turned upside down. When I found him, I anointed him. Hear those words? When I found him, when I found him who had a heart for me, I anointed him. When I found him. Sometimes I think he looks at me and says, yep, I like that part. I found that heart. Oh, I ain't so sure about that part. You see, listen to me. How many know that when he found him, he did not find a perfect man? Right? He certainly did not find a perfect man. But how many know it is a perfect God who uses imperfect man all the time? Hmm? You want to transition? You want to transition this year? I promise you it'll be a good transition. If you learn there is an anointing, but it's not a thing, it's not a mystical force, it's not a right? He's a person. His name is Holy Spirit. He dwells within you. He speaks to you. He talks with you. He causes you to see. He causes you to hear. And then you begin to move. I don't believe David ever faces that giant without the Spirit of God. Ever. Ever. And I believe there are giants you can face this year under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, we pray this morning. We pray this morning that our eyes of our hearts are opened up by your word. That we understand, first of all, from your word, hey, I, I, I want my heart beats after God. Give me that heart, God. May we pray this morning, give us that heart. Tenderize our heart. And let us respond to the anointing you put on our life, who is the Spirit of God, who is the Spirit of God, your Spirit, the same Spirit who anointed Jesus to cast out demons, the same Spirit that enabled Jesus to heal the sick, the same Spirit that raised the dead, the same Spirit that anointed Peter, James, and John, and the other apostles. That same Spirit, your same Holy Spirit, You see, David, the, 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 the phrase is used is called smeared. It actually means to smear. It's amazing what happened. David would use that anointing to play music to calm and soothe a demoniac or demonic-influenced uh, uh, Saul. When the demon tormented Saul, he would come and he would play music. He was smeared to be mighty in battle. He was smeared. He was anointed for battle. He was anointed to be mighty. He was anointed to be insightful in wisdom. The same anointing is for you and I. These are not stories of the God of yesterday. The anointing is not the God of yesterday. The anointing is the God of today. And so Father, would you help us recognize your spirit who lives in us, who's anointed us to do all that is in your heart that you put in ours. 
We ask you to help us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 